Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings reading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we are finally starting the seventh book. And you might notice, if you're watching video or if you have very keen ears, we're in a different location. Yes. So Woo. grab a glass of your favorite alcoholic beverage and join us for the final season oh. of this drunken that's so sad i know i literally said it and i was like <laughs> drunken reminiscent journey hi hi welcome to season seven we have waited until the very last season to have a studio. Yes. Because that makes... You may have thought, weren't you in a studio previously? <sighs> you no. never thought that. It clearly wasn't a studio. I mean, you know, we're still in the spare room of one of our houses. But this, you have <laughs> two of those at the moment. So at the moment. At the moment. So it creates a little extra space. And this Wait. is a lot more purpose built than yeah. mine. <laughs> My, yeah, because you, yours... Is like th three rooms in one. Yeah. <laughs> this is two. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag London living. But for the first time ever, no, for the first time since episode one of this podcast, we're recording at Charlie's. We only ever recorded one other episode at yours and it's episode one. I know. Which is, that's kind of full circle, isn't it? Yeah. It means that we don't have our slave Neil. But Neil turned to me earlier and he was like, oh, by the way, I'm I'm really upset. I'm not going to be there, be there anymore for recording. And I thought he was joking because obviously like it's qu it's been quite a disruptive thing for five years. For him, like the flat is half taken over. The kitchen becomes a mess, like all very normal, but it is quite a disruptive thing. And also he has to listen to things with headphones on so we don't have noise bleed through. He can't put the washing on, things like that. Like you heard us yelling at him in the background. And then he was like, no, it's really comforting you guys doing Aww. it. Sorry, my phone's buzzing. It is going to drastically cut down on the time that I see Neil, which is horrifying. I know, I know. Um, so yeah, yeah, we are in Charlie's new, beautiful flat. I was about to call it a house. It kind of is because it has stairs it in it. Yeah, it's it's like, it's a, what do they call it? A mezzanine apartment? Yeah. Like it's in a flat building, but it, it is it, a house. It's, it's same, not a house vibe. It's the same size as my friend's house in buckingham like wow yeah that, yeah that she owns a baby inside of so <laughs> a, a switch has flicked in me and the past few months i've become so excited for hannah and neil to have a baby <sighs> okay. i just it's it's not not at all broody for myself could not be further from that but i'm broody to like have a baby to borrow that's good it's good to know we've got a built-in babysitter when we need one yeah because i'm not having one unless someone can take it for hours at a time yeah <laughs> i think like it's i want to be able to crochet cute things sure and like buy it fairy themed stuff cute yep read akita no <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just gonna babysit along, and just like, read it actor i don't care they can't understand things at that age <laughs> i'm not pregnant or having a child anytime soon hi welcome to season but seven. i have been poking holes in their condoms whenever i'm over we're in a new studio we have beautiful new microphones we have we lighting setup we have microphone stands that aren't the worst thing in my life and they remind me so much of other podcasts that do this dramatically yeah. i i but keep referencing the girls bathroom they, they don't make noise they don't 
It's lovely. And as well, like, I literally, every time I go and get up, like, I've been doing this really timidly. I don't actually know what I just did. It, but it determines. But you try and turn the ones that we had before and they just fall off. And we spent, we were like, this is a huge upgrade. We're spending so much money. And it was a lot of money at the time. And it was a huge upgrade at the time. But that was four years ago, three and a half years ago. And equipment's moved on a long way. And like, it's been made more with podcasting in mind. We have the uh, creme de la creme set up now. The microphones and the mixing desk that everyone uses, including everyone's favorite guy, Joe Rogan. You know, sometimes you just got to buy the same equipment as Joe Rogan. Um, I also really like how many surfaces we have to put drinks on. That was a problem in the old setup. It was like I balancing know. drinks on little corners. Yeah. Um, and it is utterly bizarre it not being in my house. Like I was like, just sat back like, yeah, yeah you do this setup. Then I broke the setup. The yeah. moment she asked me to do something, I snapped a cable. So yep. Um, I I'm also... going to become a podcast princess and just turn up and press record. Yeah. But the great thing about the setup is we have like... I'll insert a photo. Stuff's mounted to the ceiling. It's very high tech. That's like, so we just press on buttons and then we're good to record. We don't have to like, before we were having to like set up and tear it down every single time. Now it's just all fancy mounted. Charlie's done a beautiful display behind us, which contains a secret. Um, Is it time to tell them the secret? Yes. So Charlie was like, I want a kind of witchy theme background. I was like, beautiful. Yes, you've got loads of witchy themed books. Like lovely, which is lovely. definitely concerning the fact that I didn't plan this. I literally texted Hannah like, how can I make the background? Because it was just like plain. I was like, how can I make it more interesting? And then she I was, was in the in middle a of a meeting, and so I didn't text her back for two hours. And then she was like, "I've done this." I was like, "Okay." I'm like, "Don't ask my it's opinion." It's witchy themed, and literally just by like walking around my house, I got a concerning amount of witch-related items, including the most concerning, a jar of teeth, her own teeth, and her sister's teeth. Yeah. So then she texted me the photo of the jar of teeth, and even more concerningly, I wrote back. I think I have Ooh. my teeth somewhere. Teeth jar ASMR. Teeth jar ASMR. Even more concerningly, I wrote back, oh, I think I have my teeth somewhere. And she was like, brilliant, bring them. And then I had to buy her a little jar because she did not have so a little I jar. So I brought my teeth. <laughs> yes, we both. So yours are baby teeth yes. that naturally fell out. Yeah. They're, that I can't decide which of ours is more normal to have kept. I think mine... Because I really? think parents do keep my mum never teeth. kept baby teeth, so hers are the two. That's why there's a lot of teeth in there. <laughs> Mine are the four adult teeth I had to get extracted at age fourteen. Absolutely terrifying. I showed yeah. Neil, and he was like, "The fuck is that? That's how long your adult root teeth." Yeah, are. I know. I had some out. Where are they? <laughs> Don't know. I also had baby teeth extracted, and I don't have those anymore. So it's sad we don't have all the teeth, but. We do have jars of teeth. Yes, we do. So we also, what's really cool, can see the alcohol we're drinking today. And, and the book that we're talking and the about. Book that we're talking about. So, on the topic of what we're drinking today. I like that I didn't have to tell you that I had in mind for the alcohol to go there. Obviously, it's where the bar sign is. And the book. And the book. So, on the topic of alcohol, let's discuss that really quickly as we move into season seven. Yes. I, before season seven started, was meant to organise the huge backlog of Patreon alcohols we have. I didn't get time to do that because it's been a crazy few weeks. However, so if you have, number one, if you have paid for a Patreon alcohol in the last six months, any amount of time and we haven't got to it, I will be getting to it and logging them all into episodes. If I told you it was coming at the end of season six and it didn't, it is still coming. Just some things have to be rearranged. So if you've paid for it, 
I promise it's coming. I just need to do a huge amount of organization. So that will then fill up like episode three for quite a while onwards. And then after that, obviously, you know, this is the final season of the podcast. And one of the perks of being a producer level patron is picking our alcohol. So if you have ever wanted to pick our alcohol, now is the time to do it because at some point I will have to do a cutoff where I've filled up all the available, that's nice, all the available episodes. So if you've been thinking you want to do an alcohol for us for an episode um, and become a producer level patron to get that perk, now is the time to do that while I'm on this big organizational streak and I will make it very clear when that perk is no longer available because we have run out of future episodes. So, um, yeah, sorry for the disorganization. I promise everything is logged in a spreadsheet. I just have to go and fix it. I bet everyone is gobsmacked at the notion of us being disorganized. They're like Charlie and Hannah in the, how many years has it been? Five. Five years you've been running this podcast. Never, ever have you been disorganized or not done something or... We're perfect. You know, guys, it's, it's... Allow Hannah one mistake. So anyway, today <laughs> we're drinking uh, something that a brand sent us, which yeah. um, is, sounds like fancy. And, mm. Mm. So these are pre-made cocktails by a brand called Edmunds. Um, we discovered these when we were in Suffolk, when we were visiting me, you, um, <laughs> and we reached out to them. And I really like them because they're made in Suffolk, which is you. And Edmunds is my mum's maiden name and my family yeah. name. So this sounds me. like someone is going to like hack our like shared bank account like you know when it's like the security questions it's like mother's maiden name where are you you from from? like i've worked it out so i've got a amaretto sour and i've got a cosmopolitan Ooh. Ooh, that's actually quite strong that's nice they're delicious so yeah their specialty is Pre-made cocktails, but done well. Not like the stupid, like, yeah. juice cartons and that you get. And they come with little, like, dried yeah, fruit. Like, mine's got... Oh, let's do a YouTuber. We're in our Zoella era. I'm in my Zoella era. So, yeah, they come with all the things. And we've got small taster bottles. But you can buy big bottles. And I remember what made us reach out to the brand was we saw a big litre bottle of espresso martini. Oh. And we were like... I need that. So thank you, Edmonds, for sending this. We'll pop a link down below. Should we do some Patreons? Patreoners. Patreoners. Hey! Advent calendar size thank you to Ardent, who is a new producer level patron. A lackluster size thank you to Lily. Cellulitis size thank you to Sophie. An androgynous size thank you to Andra. An ass size thank you to Amy. An adept size thank you to Adrian. I believe that's Adrienne. Adrienne. And an Errol size thank you to Eerie. Amazing. Thank you all so much for joining the Patreon and supporting us. We also have a review. This comes from Madame Anne Faye, who says, Best thing to listen to whilst out in the sticks. I can't help la- laughing out loud listening to Hannah and Charlie, which is a bit unfortunate as I always listen to the podcast whilst taking the dog and baby for Aww. a walk so the dog can do his doggy things and the baby can sleep. Nice. I really wish that said, and the baby can do, do baby, baby things. things. 
It really helps me to keep my momentum and not give up on yet another try to soothe our baby girl. Always telling myself, if it takes longer, I get to hear more episodes a day. Yay! Don't get me wrong, our little one is lovely, just a bad sleeper. Cheers from Germany. You are doing such a good job. Well done. Keep going, it will get better and I'm glad we can help. Well done you. Well done. Season 7. I remembered how we normally start off a new season, a new book. What are your memories of when this came out? Oh my God. I mean... We are fully into our... We were, you know, children with brains at this point. We can remember things. <laughs> yeah, cry. I mean, you say that, but you know what it's <laughs> like. Um, so what day- year did this publish? Let me check. First published in Great Britain in 2007. Which Gosh. puts us... That puts me in year seven or year eight, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. So we were 12. I mean, I don't have any like specifically clear memories. I do remember that um, my parents would have gone to like get it at midnight for us. Yeah. I can't remember if we had one or two copies. I No, we can't have had two because yeah, I think my sister basically stayed up all night mm. to read it and finished it in that night. And then I got it in the morning. Nice. And it was like, how fast can I read this? Because she knows what's yeah, happened knows and what's we're happened. in like the same household yeah um and then just trying to race through it and i think i probably did finish it in a day i missed that like it actually happened to me for the first time probably since harry potter recently that there was a book that i was anticipating the sequel to come out mm. and i know that sounds wild because of course there's some things like i mean i i, I say um, game of thrones but yeah. i've not but actually I remember read all waiting of for the last hunger games book i do remember that and i remember waiting for breaking dawn but yeah it's not the same level of anticipation. i yeah no i never did the twilight thing at the time oh. i read hunger games once they were all out oh, no um, i do remember waiting for those and you know there's things like name of the wind but i don't think that counts because we're never gonna get the fucking sequel yeah once you've gone over like the four year mark the anticipation oh. kind of dies down it's been 10 well so is game of thrones <laughs> that's what i mean yeah um and so i read fourth wing and i fucking loved it just so much like really just so entertaining so brilliant um had never like hadn't felt that way about a book since reading akatar which oh my god by the way there's an email i want to read actually um but yeah finished it and was like oh that was so good and i'm so used to reading series where like they're all already out Mm. that's what i do a lot of the time and then was like sequel's not out and luckily i was really lucky that it was like a month away but i had a month of like actually being like oh i can't wait and then getting to like race through reading it and i was like i've not had that since harry potter since that's so nice yeah so that's kind of my experience with it i definitely like the fact that there was the midnight release for the fourth uh the second actar sorry the no the second fourth wing book I know words, uh, yep. which I feel like hasn't happened since Harry Potter. But I do, on the note of Akatar, I want to really quickly find and read an email that I've been reading, been meaning to read out. You're doing so well with words today. So I've wanted to read this out for a while. We got this back in July and obviously we had a few months of the podcast and I just kept forgetting and kind of waiting for it to come up organically. So I'm really sorry. This is from a, uh, I presume, girl called Nira. Um, I hope that's the correct pronunciation and I'm really sorry that we haven't got to reading this out because I did I actually really want to acknowledge it because going into reading Akhtar like I'd heard people say like vaguely like 
the what's her name what's her name sarah j mass sarah j mass is like vaguely problematic and stuff but i didn't really like know the details and i didn't see a huge amount of it like in her work so i did want to read out this email that goes into that a bit more <gasps> because whilst i don't think that she is at the level of jk rowling where it's like full-on boycott blah 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 i think it's important to acknowledge mm. um the nuances of people and and their actions especially like as an author whose work that we talk about a lot because i think that it's important for people to be empowered to know whether they want to go into a book series and invest their time and their money reading something if the author has done xyz that they don't agree with sure so nira writes hello first of all i have to say that i absolutely love the podcast i've had to stop listening to it in public because i can't stop laughing obviously this isn't a we should cancel her thing because cancel culture doesn't exist but you talk about reading akatar a lot so i just wanted to make sure you were aware that sarah j mass has exhibited some pretty problematic behaviors and her books contain some pr pretty problematic elements most of this is around her representation of poc and queer characters but also that she used brianna taylor's death to advertise the cover reveal of uh akos <laughs> Akosaf. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I read about this uh, actually a month ago um, and was like, yeah, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Despite heaps of people calling her out on it and asking her to change the post or take it down, mm. it's still on her page and unedited. She has also not made her stance on Israel and the Palestinian genocide clear, despite talking about it in various interviews and being supportive of her grandmother who volunteers with the IDF. This point is more debated because a lot of people don't get why it's bad, but considering her past comments, her silence mm. is pretty glaring. Sorry if someone has also written in about this, and I'm just repeating things you've already heard, but I just wanted to make sure you were made aware because I know it's very possible to be in these fandoms and not hear about any of this stuff mm. and of course i'm not saying you should stop reading them or that she's at jkr's level but i think it's important to keep people informed when you have the knowledge to do that anyway again absolutely love the podcast Aww. thanks for all the work you've put into it thank That's you so nice. much for this email it was really nice to have like someone explain in like actual like kind of concise ways the things that she's done because I mean, let's be real, whilst it's ideal to look into authors of things, you can't possibly for every single book that you read, like do a deep dive on like, is this per person problematic? And again, I think that these things are stuff that is absolutely problematic and should be acknowledged, but not at a level where I would say full on boycott. Like I definitely, you know, wouldn't be going out and buying a guitar merch or anything like that. But I still stand by that it's a book series that I really enjoy. But mm. I did think it's important that we read this and acknowledge it, given the fact that we talk about Akatar, especially as a point of comparison, mm. as it being a very popular piece of fiction right now. So I thought it was really important to read out that email. And I'm sorry that it took us a while to get to. Yeah. Sarah J. Mass, just stop. I mean, all, all, all authors of good books, just, just stop being dickheads. I think they should all give up social media. <laughs> probably yeah probably <laughs> i forgot what we were talking about oh how we Memories came to be the... the book seven season seven book seven mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i was done oh you were done okay sauce um i do remember this one very vividly we had a holiday booked for two days after it came out so my mom ordered it so it got delivered the morning it came rather than she didn't like going to midnight because we didn't live in a town with a bookshop it's a 20 minute drive to one so she was like you're not going to a midnight oh, i'm release. pretty sure we just did like tesco i think they did it no local tesco didn't definitely not bastards somewhere in milton Keynes would have but that's a 20 minute drive so we got it so it was going to be delivered on the morning it came out but mum made me promise that i would not start reading it 
until I got on the plane for holiday. Oh no, fuck that. Because she was like, you'll enjoy it so much more on holiday. It'll be so good. La 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 la. Promise me you won't read it till you go on holiday. And I was like, fine. And I agreed to it. Why she was so insistent on this, I'm not really sure. I think it's because she wanted to make sure I was like packing and mm. I don't fucking know. Um, So I agreed to her promise apart from, and this is the only time I have ever done this in my life. The book arrived and I flipped to the last page. <gasps> no, why? I don't know. I had a compulsion. I I've never done it since. All I read was the scar I'd not painted in 19 years, all was well. But I read it and I was like, I wish I hadn't done that. And I've never done it since. Um, so that was an awful decision that I made. I started it at the airport. Hedwig died while I was on the plane and I started crying, which freaked my mum out because she'd let me have it first. And she was then getting really angry because I was oh, crying. No. And she was like, what's happened? Who's died? Don't tell me. Oh my God. And then she had to watch me cry over other deaths in the book. Just being like, give me the fucking book, child. So I gave it to her on like day two of the holiday. I think it oh, took me God. two to three days to read. But, and yeah, she was just having to watch my reactions to it. And I remember finishing it and feeling like, numb all over i think that was the thing i think mum wanted me to finish it while i was on a holiday so i would i, I yeah. think she knew i'd be really upset so she was like finish it while you're by the pool and it will be nice yeah but i also remember a french woman swimming up to him being like oh yes isn't it sad when snake does this and i was like i'm not that shut up random oh woman. my god why would you do that to a child that's that's my memories of it i am glad they came out when school was out because yeah. The stress of if you had to go in the next day with people spoiling. Oh no, I'd have I'd have pulled so a sickie, glad. and my parents would have understood. Yeah, I'm so glad they came out in the school holidays. Yeah, because I had, now as an adult, like there's few things that I anticipate that much. But for instance, with the Animal Crossing release, <laughs> I was so excited for that that I was like, I'm gonna book the day off because it was coming out on a Friday, and I was like, deadly serious, I'm booking the day off to play Animal Crossing when it comes out because this was like, it'd been like a decade or more maybe. Um, luckily, not luckily, but in the end, it was uh, deep in COVID time. So I was on four day weeks anyway. So I had the day off anyway. But yeah, I originally I was like, I'm booking the day off. And I feel like if I was an adult at the time, I definitely would have had to book the day off. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah that's my memories only time i've ever flicked to the back page um don't Why? do that, that don't, i don't know me. i don't know i was like 12 and i had a compulsion uh, the like worst thing is when you're reading something and your like eyes keep like skipping yeah, you're <gasps> to the, like the end of the opposite page and you're like stop it, it! stop it no. so yeah let's get into it i'm trying something new by the way this might not work i have the actual book that i've annotated rather than my notebook i'm very nervous about this so before we've even i'm skipping forward from chapter one We've got the dedication page. Because oh, I audio booked this, so I am... Um... Do they not read out the dedication or the epitaph? Epigraph? Do they read out the epigraphs? No. I don't really? Think so. No, because... um, No. But also, I realised on um listening to this, because I literally went straight from reading like a new modern day mm. audio book on Audible to then switching to this, and I was like... Oh yeah, these are like 20 years old now. Yeah, the quality difference. Like it was really like quiet and like grainy and stuff. I'm like, I so probably comforting. need to try and like torrent a modern version. I w assumed they wouldn't read out this. I I assumed they would have recorded the epigraphs because they bothered to put some in. But anyway, let's start with the dedication. The dedication at the time made me tear up immediately. She mentions all the previous dedications and the seventh one is, and to you if you have stuck with Harry until the very end. Mm. I showed this to Neil the other day and he said, I've never seen that before. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, 
oh, I just skipped to chapter one when I was a kid and I haven't read it since it first came out. So he hasn't read it since 2007. And then he was like, why is it a wiggly line? I was like, it's a, it's a scar. And he was like, what? That's not a scar. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? It's laid out as a scar. So Neil's an idiot. Onto the epigraphs. So this is the first Harry Potter book to include epigraphs, which is a very odd decision at number seven of a seven part series. It also is immediately sets this book apart from all the others in the way epigraphs are not something you have in children's or YA books and typically they are not in like easy reader books as well they're typically not in fantasy books it's quite a I don't know it's a literary choice to have an epigraph it means you've got something to say so I can't decide how I feel about her choosing to put them in it feels a lot more grown up like an epigraph requires a level of reading ability to work out like what are these why have they been put in what do they tell you about the text but i remember at the time i did read them and it like challenged me a bit so like i i i do like it in the way it was probably this was the first time i had ever seen an epigraph in a book so i like that it kind of challenged it in a way stop texting neil <laughs> i would but he's outside so oh, well you're gonna have to go get him you finish your point cold that was pretty much my point i will then go into an analysis of and the also, epigraphs oh my god it's doctor who day so we're, we're taking a doctor who break so if we're like sobbing wrecks when we come back that's, that's why. why yeah that was my point that it challenges younger readers but it's a decision to have them in and also i find jk rowling now puts them into a lot of her adult work she they're in all of her Cormoran Strike books. And I when someone when an author does that where they're at the beginning of every chapter, I find it very overused and overdone. So I like it like this, where it's just at the beginning of the book. Epigraphs. Hi. Hi. It's We're been back. hours. We watched the first we watched Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. I cried almost immediately. She, did. she just burst into tears. Yeah. It was valid. In it fact, was. I might have I've definitely oh, trapped me on my lip gloss. <laughs> We've got a new drink from the same Yeah brand i have an espresso martini i have a chambord something ramble ramble oh that's nice very nice that's actually you can't like tell the difference between a proper one okay the epigraphs <sighs> sorry so i've already talked about using epigraphs let's talk about them quickly the first one is aeschylus 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 from the libation bearers which is from i believe 200 or 400 bc so we've got some old stuff mm -hmm. so i'm not going to read the whole thing out the whole poem out but it starts with a oh the torment bred and race uh br not bread and race oh the torment bred in the race the grinding scream of death which reminded me that the journey to the end has been torment for harry and a lot of them like the actual journey has been horrible as well and then it says at the end of that paragraph the grief the curse no man can bear a grief is like neil yeah. come say hi Come say hi to the podcast. Grief is in itself a curse. It's universal yet still endlessly painful. Nobody in life goes through life without experiencing grief, but it is still a curse that every man has to bear. But it also says the curse no man can bear. Hello. <laughs> Ironically, with our new microphones, I probably can't hear you. Yeah. Oh, These are a lot better at cutting out. 
you. Uh, background noise. It says, the curse no man can bear. Harry's destiny is also a curse that, although is unbearable, he has chosen to bear it. You know, like we found out in book six, it's not that he has to do it. It's that he's choosing to do it. <laughs> but the- being a bear. Thank bear you. noises. It's a curse no man can, can comma bear. Comma bear. <laughs> but there is a cure in the house. I theorize that the cure or answer is inside Harry as well as all the others, which is, of course, love. The power of love. Friday, I'm in love. The cure. Yep. It's the cure. Though. It then says, not from others, but from them, their bloody strife. So it starts to talk about multiple people, which reminds me how a big theme of book seven is. It is not just harry's war it is not just harry's no because there's seven other harry's there's seven other harry's and also you know this war isn't just personal for harry it's personal for a lot of people and they all have to join in unless you know you're in harry's head from his perspective and then the world revolves around him of course it does and then it talks about dark gods beneath the earth which reminds me of the resurrection stone which seems to be a big theme in this book and then the final line of that poem ended bless the children give them triumph now which obviously is fits pretty well with harry potter it's a walk for by children for the peace of future children Mm. so i understand why she picked this other interesting things about the libation bearers in general so the libation bearers is a greek mythology story i won't go into the whole thing but there were two scenes within it i didn't read the whole thing i read a summary um that i found interesting there's a scene where the main character goes and gives an offering to a grave of dead parents which obviously happens in book seven And there's also a scene where the main character hesitates before killing someone on someone else's orders, which obviously also happens with Wormtail in this Mm. book. So clearly she was quite inspired by that. The other poem is William Penn, More Fruits of Solitude. William Penn is the man on the old Quaker Oats branding. (laughs) (laughs) So this poem is about how even when someone or how i interpret you're googling that you're fact checking me aren't you keep going <laughs> it's not on the modern quaker oats packaging no is it not no it changed oh, in the late 90s I don't believe you. there is still a man on it but they claim it isn't him anymore this poem how i theorize what i theorize it's about is how immortality doesn't come through you know actually being immortal it comes because when you love someone when you have (laughs) they claim that is no longer him they claim they changed it to a random quaker but um william penn was basically a founder of quakerism my porridge so yeah sorry this is actually a a porridge pot porridge now uh what's your favorite porridge (laughs) uh growing up it was ready break golden syrup nice so yeah i interpret this poem about it's it doesn't mean that immortality is like an actual thing that exists but immortality comes because when you are friends with someone when you have loved them that means that they are eternal even if they have died because the memories live on so it says they live in one another still that love and live in that which is omnipresent and ever present because immortal And I found this interesting because I have always had like a theory about Harry Potter and book seven in general, which is that people take the afterlife a bit too literally in Harry Potter. And yes, there is definitely some sort of afterlife in Harry Potter because ghosts exist, the resurrection stone, la la la. But I think in book seven, we get a bit more of, is the immortality actually real? 
or is it that the love and memories live on and cause hope? So one of the theories I want us to talk about at some point is that the Dumbledore death sequence is information that Harry already knows and therefore it is not Harry really in the afterlife. It is entirely inside his own head. Is it real or happening inside his own head? Yeah. And the people we love live on because of what they have given us. And I find it interesting that she chose to put a poem about that in the beginning mm. because it does bring into question what does immortality actually mean in Harry Potter. Yeah. But there are ghosts, so some form of immortality does exist. <laughs> so it's a bit confusing. But yeah, they're the two epigraphs that she chose I to put in. I actually got a little bit out of breath from my porridge quest. Good. But I like to think it was not from the running up the stairs. It was the, the sheer excitement. Of season seven. Of porridge. Of porridge. I kind of do want some porridge now. So, two men are walking along a Which lane. Which means it's not a Harry chapter. Woo! Our favourite thing. Classic. When... Opening a later book without a Harry chapter. Oh. Gotta be done. Gotta be done. Just someone that's not JK Rowling. Just rewrite the books without Harry. No Harry. Just not from his perspective. What I find interesting is all the chapters that aren't Harry open with a different perspective where until a name is said like it always says like two men the taller of the two it won't reveal who it is until a few lines in and what i quite like about it as well is it's it never feels like a big like and this is who it is it's always like oh i've given up the charade now yeah <laughs> it's like what well, i've given up i don't care the but two she, men blah 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 but she doesn't jim bob here yeah but she doesn't throughout the chapter she's like a blonde-haired teenage boy and then a few pages later it's like it's draco it's like why are you do why do you write like this when it's not yeah. from harry's perspective question for the audience because hannah's got her lovely narrated not narrated annotated that's the word book with all her post-it notes and highlighters and margin notes and sticky tabs um if we both were to make a second hand set obviously and at the end of the podcast auction them off for charity is that a thing anyone would give a shit about bidding on I'm not, i'd have to create another one no i know i said if oh, we okay created right i'm not giving this away <laughs> no, i know okay yeah that could be that's a good yeah. idea i mean annoyingly i don't have all of my notes but i can go back through and yeah, I'm missing a few gaps because I'm also trying to backfill what we've previously done and annotate some books. Um, yeah, but yeah, about it on if Instagram. we yeah. made a set, would you like? Do you, would you guys be interested in a charity auction? <gasps> we could do the same set and pass them between <gasps> us, like the scissors of oh, the traveling pants, but use books. A blue pen and one of us could use a black pen. We that's could have such... matching but different colored stations. We might just do this anyway at this yeah. rate. <laughs> but that'd be a great charity auction. Would you guys be interested in that? Like, because that would take us a long time yeah, to do. Yeah, you'd have to bid quite a lot. So, so uh, yeah, it, it would have to, you know, if it went for like tenner, I'd be like, doing it. we spent a year doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's taken a long time. Yeah, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. Would we, would someone get all seven or would we give seven individual copies away? Oh, it would like upset me having them separated, but then it would also be nice for people to bid on a book they, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and more people get it. Anyway, let us know. Let us know. That's a really interesting idea. Yeah. So two men are walking along and we realise very quickly it's Snape and Yaxley. And they're talking about evil plan. Actually, they're not. They're talking. They're going, I thought I might be late. <laughs> they pass some yew hedges, which uh, yew symbolises death mm. and resurrection. So thanks for that. And then we realise we are at Malfoy Manor because Yaxley says he always did well for himself, Lucius. And then it mentions 
peacocks, a handsome manor house, diamond pane downstairs windows, and fountain. So we quickly learned that Draco was not lying about how rich he is. Like, this boy is rich, rich. And this is so gauche. It's tacky. Like, peacocks are white... fucking tacky. I mean, take peacock's name out of your mouth. I was obsessed with peacocks as a child. But don't them. But also, like, the thing is, the best thing about the peacock is about how colourful they are. Yeah, having a white peacock is weird. Yeah. Like, you're like, you know what? I don't want this cool multicoloured bird. I just want a bird. A white bird. You might as well stick some really big, like, craft feathers to a pigeon. It's giving white supremacy. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, okay, you don't see colour. You've taken up very literally. Yep. <laughs> So they enter into a drawing room full of silent people around a long table. Um, and, it, you know, we quickly, quickly realise it's a Death Eater death eater meeting. Death Eater meeting? Really? Because I thought that it was like a political think tank. Well, similar. They are talking about how to overthrow the government. So I think that does happen in England. So <laughs> there we go. In a lot of places. In a lot of places. I mean, you don't really need to form a think tank to do that. <laughs> no. You just need to not be elected in the UK. <laughs> Take a video of what video came out yesterday? The it's Hammer. The Hammer. <laughs> Who's our prime minister? Who is it? Oh, it's... <laughs> no, genuinely. <laughs> We've had too many. Dishy Rishi. Ah, Rishi Sunak. <laughs> We've had too many. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not learning their names until I elect one. <laughs> For anyone that genuinely believes the bit that we play into that Hannah is the intelligent one and I'm really dumb, can we just. Can we just. I forgot his name. He's irrelevant. I didn't elect him. I think there have been more prime ministers than there have been years running this podcast. I think it's even. I, I think, think it's even. <laughs> and the centrepiece to this political think tank table is a slowly rotating unconscious human figure hanging upside down. When it says upside down, you know in the film she's like that. Mm. Or does it mean like feet first, head yeah, down? I'd say feet. Well, yeah, feet first. That's even more horrible than what they did in the film. They're not nice people. No. So Voldemort's like, sit here. And this is not a fun meeting. Everyone is highly anxious, which is, you know, the best way to run a team meeting. I really think when you run a weekly team meeting, you should try to make everyone as anxious as possible. Yes. Yeah. That's what your old boss used to do. Yeah, I've had many bosses who do that. So no one can run a good team meeting. So then they start talking about what the Order of the Phoenix plans are to move Harry Potter from his current safe position to somewhere else. Mm. And it turns out there are two bits of information they've heard. One yeah. is that he's moving on his birthday and one is that he's moving this Saturday. I really think that they should have just moved him by like car or train because when you I think of it agree like we know that wizards don't consider any non-magical form of anything yep. like the classic uh like did you get an older student to put your name in for you they just don't consider that shit i genuinely feel like if they'd literally just like put them in the back of a like uber no i think what they should have done is genuinely looked up how many forms of public transport it would legitimately take to get Harry from Surrey to the borough. My bet is about seven and just do that because the public transport in this country is wild. He'd need like three buses, a tube, 
then a train, then another two buses. Like, yeah. they'd never find him. Yeah, like, even if they were like, okay, he's taking public transport, it would take them so long. Like, if they get stuck at the ticket barriers. This was before City Mapper. Well, they're never going to do it. They're not going to be able to work it out. Like, no, I agree. they're going to get onto the circle line and be like, it's a what? It's a, it's it's a, a circle? Like, I'm sorry, I have lived, like, in or near London for a decade now. I still can't do the circle line. No, I'm not getting on it. I don't like it. It no. scares me. Every time a city map says to it, I'm like, no. Please. I don't know what no, I'm doing. God, no. Again. We get a nice bit of occlumency, legilimency moment. We've got red eyes fastening upon Snape's black ones with such intensity and Snape calmly looking back into Voldemort's face. Um, so Yaxi and Snape are arguing over which plan is the correct one, which is the information they've heard. And what it seems like to the reader is that Snape has heard the correct information so he's feeding Harry's whereabouts. Yeah. Which actually is what happens. Like, even if Snape is the good guy, so that he can stay on Voldemort's side, he does feed this information back to Voldemort. It is the real date. What I really love, though, is because Dawlish has gotten his information from the, uh, like, minis- oh, min- yeah. the Ministry of Magic. Um from like impurising someone and he and Snape's like oh no like that's the wrong information because he's like he's been a right teacher's pair which can I just say bit fucking ironic the amount of shit he gave Hermione for being a teacher's pair and then in front of Voldemort he's like uh, but yeah so he's basically like lol your info's wrong and he's like oh no it's not Dawlish because he says that Dawlish seemed what's his name Yaxley Yaxley is like Oh, uh, but Dawlish seemed quite certain. And Snape's like, well, he would, wouldn't he? (laughs) I'm just like, how fucking dumb is Yaxley? Oh my God. He so just wants to appear the best one. He's like, um, I'm right. It's like, Snape has insider information. You know this. Like, Snape's right. Shut up, Yaxley. I want to do some research at some point on like, the psychology and the reason that people join cults because this is so wild to me that I'm like but yeah why are these grown ass men like clamoring for this guy's approval Mance doesn't have a nose not only are they clamoring for this guy's approval the entire next page is basically a discussion of how they're going to pull off a ministry coup Voldemort is doing nothing Voldemort is not lifting a finger he's literally there just coordinating like and what have you done and what have you done which classic CEO classic CEO behavior but there is a military coup going on and Voldemort is just going you guys do it for me yeah I just step in like and some of these men are like successful like Lucius is like successful why is he so obsessed with Voldemort and getting his approval why why and also, as we've mentioned many times before this military coup sounds complicated it would have been easier to stay popular and you become minister for magic <laughs> just get elected or you know go into muggle politics and don't get elected but yeah this oh this coup's stupid every time we talk about politics Todd appears he's actually a politician no, he je- he je- he has political aspirations. Yeah, because he just thinks that he really has an agenda that everyone needs to hear, and that it's that women should not have rights, and dreamies should be free. Yep. So yeah, lots of discussion over whether they can overthrow the ministry by this Saturday, so that they can find out whether the blah 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 blah. They for some reason can't overthrow the ministry. It's made up. I don't know. But Voldemort then decides to admit he's wrong. It's amazing. Voldemort says, there have been too many mistakes where Harry Potter is concerned. Some of them have been my own. All of them have been because you villain 
explain every time you have Harry Potter in front of you or you don't let other people kill him. Yeah. Every time you've got him in front of you, you're like, nah, let me explain my plan. It's like, don't. Voldemort is delegating the wrong thing. Yes. Like okay. Voldemort, maybe you should focus on like the political cue. and let someone else do the murdering i think other people would do a lot better job at the murder yeah right like people are bad at capturing it's a lot easier to just say avada kedavra if you will yeah um but at least voldemort is you know admitting his mistakes he's growing he's learning we love some south growth we love growth yes voldemort (laughs) i I have been careless i have been thwarted by luck and chance having the book in front of you means i can just quote it you have been careless, Voldy. Then someone starts screaming from the basement below and turns out they're keeping a prisoner and we don't know who it is. Nice. Yay, I love when we keep prisoners. And that's why doing this in a manor house is important because you don't get basements in normal houses. No. You've got to have a cellar. Unless you dig them like the mole man. The first house I grew up well, the first house I really remember <laughs> I growing really up in. I really am curious where this is going. No, the first house I remember growing up in, so the one I lived in from five to ten, had a cellar. Mm. And um, I just remember it being fun. Apart from, so there were stone steps leading down to the cellar. And there were stairs to the upstairs in the lounge, but they had gaps through them. Like, you know, those 1970 mm. stairs with no backs on. So that someone could well yes so those stairs are like that over each other so obviously my parents put child gates all around those because that's a fucking death trap and they were like we are getting rid of these stairs with gaps like as cool as they look we have young children we have to be somewhat responsible before they had the chance to do that my sibling managed to uh break through one of the child gates at one point and my mum found them hanging from the gaps in the stairs over a six foot drop to the stone cellar steps explained a lot they didn't fall Wow. But I also do remember having an Easter egg hunt one year that had to be moved indoors because it was raining and my dad trailed miniature Easter eggs all the way down into the cellar, which sounds a lot like how you lure someone to be killed. Yeah, that sounds like a horror film. That was where my big Easter egg was, downstairs. Like, there's definitely some kind of, like, bunny clown hybrid, like, waiting in the shadows to, like, eat your flesh. Have you ever had a cellar? No. Um, I had a coal shed. That was the only time. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I never had a coal shed. (laughs) And we had like a weird like mini house. Like that's that's just posh. (laughs) No, but like, no, it was like one room and it like wasn't like properly like insulated or had power or anything. It was just like a really random like kind of miniature house and we just put the bikes in it and stuff. Nice. Yeah. It It was by the hill that I used to dig the china out of if you've watched the bonus episode we just recorded good or it will ah. be out soon hello Toddy. todd hates hannah so much it's really he, fu- he like hissed at me earlier. really hissed at her and she wasn't doing anything i was just looking at him apparently i can't do that anymore <laughs> so after voldemort has been like please shut the prisoner up <laughs> oh god oh he's chasing a little stone around yeah, so after Voldemort has been like, please shut the prisoner up. He then says, I need a wand when I try to capture Harry Potter. I'm going to do it myself. I'm not leaving it to you, idiots. I'm going to kill him. I need a wand. He doesn't explain why he needs a wand. And then he turns to Lucius and says, you have no need for one. And how far Ooh. the Malfoys have fallen. Like also, a wand to a wizard is literally their arm. Like 
or the dick because i was about to say how emasculating how to be ima- like oh, you were so useless you don't need a wand anymore You've also, and they're all aware of this, I think, even if the reader isn't, have got Ollivander downstairs. Mm. And even though what he's set Ollivander to do is like try to make the Elder Wand or try to remember the Elder Wand. I can't remember why he's captured Ollivander. We'll find out. In the short term, Ollivander could just give him one whip of the up many a wands wand. he has or whip up a simple yeah. one. So stealing Lucius is, is just a power play. Like, oh, yeah. no other reason than a power it's play. It's like the most heavy-handed castration metaphor. Honestly. And it, yeah, it really shows us, you know, we at this point, I don't think knew that Lucius was out of jail, but he's he is, but it's not going well for him <laughs> he's like uh, he'd probably rather be back in jail yeah i think so and then voldemort really starts goading the malfoys he's like you don't seem happy that i'm living in your house um you really don't seem like you want me i thought you thing would is, do anything for me he's probably not paying rent no he definitely isn't and according to cursed child he's fucking bellatrix in that house so i don't believe that <sighs> do you think voldemort showers or is he just walking around stinky? He does like because he wash. Picture either. I like. Uh, I reckon he makes um, Peter like give him like sponge washes. Ew. Like, and he has to get in every nook and cranny, every Cold. slitty little crevice. <laughs> slitty little crevice. That's the episode title. I hate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Like Do you reckon he has pubes? Because he doesn't have any... No, he doesn't have pubes. He's smooth. Like Ken. I'm just Ken. Nagini appears to be threatening to the Malfoys. And Voldemort continues to goad them. He's like, isn't this what you've always wanted? La, la, la. And then we... A bit re- like victim blaming. That's not okay, Voldemort. Well, then we realise one of his victims is Draco. It says his son Draco had been gazing up at the inert body overhead. So it's Draco that was described earlier as the young and pale boy. And he is clearly regretting his choices uh, to be a Death Eater. And is clearly way, 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 way out of his depth. His description throughout this chapter, while everyone else is kind of like, you know, enjoying what Voldemort's saying. uh, Draco is sitting there terrified, shaking, like... This is clearly not what he wanted. Then Bellatrix decides to pipe up. Um, so Bellatrix is like, no, no, of course you can stay in this house. It's not your house, Bellatrix. Like, stop offering it to people. Bet she's not paying rent either. No, no one is paying rent. But then Voldemort decides to start goading Bellatrix as well and saying, you don't know any higher pleasure. What about your new family member? Um, and we learn through this dialogue that Lupin and Tonks have gotten married it also makes him allegedly fucking her make even less sense if he thinks that her bloodline has been so besmirched well why is he trying to impregnate her he's also like not that happy with bellatrix at this point like he's trying to embarrass her so so what's he like hate fucking her like why is he trying to put a baby in the woman that he thinks you really just slurped that didn't you yep you were like I'm so glad we bought expensive microphones. So Just so us. I can slurp into it. Um, yeah. Also, Remus and Tongs only expressed their love for each other two months ago. And they are now married. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're slurping. It's water.
wartime, you know, everyone rushes into things. You gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, in general, I feel like all of the relationships in Harry Potter happen really quickly. They do, they do. I feel like this is one of the many things that probably should have clued us into JK Rowling being a bit of a weirdo beforehand. I mean, I get that for ease in literature, sometimes you have to, you know, speed up romantic timelines just so, like, things can happen. I get that. But, yeah, they've literally confessed the le- their love for each other two months ago yeah it, it just mm. so then Voldemort continues to goad even though Bellatrix like it's not my niece nothing to do with me and Voldemort then turns to Draco and says what says you will you babysit the cubs and he's humiliating you know a the Malfoys here which because he thinks they've wronged them and b Bellatrix because she has failed to capture Harry, even though she's his most loyal follower. But this is one of his like early moments of downfall, and I think it's why it's in here. Is because in the end, the Malfoys will will not stay loyal to Voldemort. Mm. Not just because of this moment. I'm loyal babes. I'm loyal babes. Not just because of this moment, but in the end, what reason do they have to stay loyal to him if he is basically forcing them into this, you know, putting their son up for a death sentence? What reason does Narcissa have not to lie in that moment at the end of book seven? So it's again like a moment of Voldemort's downfall. It isn't just Harry that defeats Voldemort. Voldemort's own actions cause this. And he doesn't treat his death eaters well enough. He gives them no benefits for the hard work that they do. They haven't got a pension. Karma mm-hmm. is a cat. He's a terrible boss. Purring in my lap. Because he loves me. Todd doesn't love me. Yeah. So then Voldemort wakes up the rotating woman. And we learn, and actually before we learn who she is, she says, Severus, help me. Mm. And then we learn that she is the muggle studies teacher at Hogwarts. And this is horrible. Has she been mentioned by name before? (sighs) Has she been mentioned by name? Because I don't remember it. I don't think she has. If it has, it must be so brief. Yeah. Like nothing specific. Yeah, or just Professor Burbridge. Yeah, like... It's that classic thing where it's like she didn't want to get rid of anyone else. So she's like, and this new teacher that hasn't been mentioned before. I I agree, but also I somewhat like it because it takes it makes the war so far removed from Harry and again shows us that this war is not about Harry. So many other people are angry, so many other people have so much at stake. Yeah, for sure. I just I wish she'd been mentioned like once. Yeah, could have thrown her name in the last book. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, this is when we realised that Snape and her were colleagues. Um, even if they weren't close, she feels they're close enough to call him by his first name. Save it for the microphone. Let us exploit you like we're mummy bloggers. This is Todd. Say hello. Say hello. You don't want to be on the podcast, do you? You don't want to be on the podcast. So yeah, even though Snape in many ways is an evil piece of shit. <laughs> this is say. this is this is pretty horrible like someone yeah. and it also has parallels to Dumbledore that work both when we know Snape is innocent and Snape and when we think Snape isn't innocent because Dumbledore died begging Snape for his life. Mm. And now Charity Burbage is about to be murdered begging Snape. Yeah. And it's the same, actually, well, she says, Severus, help me. But, oh, Severus, please, please. Dumbledore's last words were, Severus, please. Yeah. So, like, these, this is here to remind us 
A, when we know, when we think Snape is bad, that Snape is a piece mm-hmm. of shit. But when we think Snape is innocent, that he is such a tortured soul having yeah. to watch these people get murdered. Though, to be fair, I've had a lot of colleagues in my day that I would not help in this situation. That in fact, I'd probably be making things worse intentionally. Am I one of them? Yes. Yeah. I was like, cannot stand this bitch. Guess I better keep her in my life. I found the card the other day that Hannah wrote me to say thank you for helping her get the job where we like became close. I was like, oh, a little piece of history. Sweet that you kept that. I've burnt everything you ever gave me. Probably. No, I haven't. Voldemort explains why he has kidnapped Charity. I like that you're basically sat in the middle and then you're... Sorry. It's where the mic's falling. Just move it. You can't move it any further inwards. Just move that up more and then it goes... Yeah, so we learn why Charity Burbage has been kidnapped and is being threatened with death. She wrote a impassioned defence of mudbloods in the Daily Prophet. Um, So basically she used her voice in the newspaper to say why, you know, we should be supporting muggle-borns and muggles. Disgusting. How dare she? (laughs) Although we've never met Burbage before, I like that she's shown like the reason why she's killed is that she's shown to be using her voice to try to help. She was doing what she could do in her role to help with the war and ends up paying the ultimate price for it. And I like that what she's doing isn't, you know, necessarily what Harry deems to be what we see Harry doing constantly, which is fighting, you know, a lot of the time in these books, bravery is seen as going into the battlefield, fighting, doing the thing. And I like that we get an example of a character who, you know, maybe isn't combative, isn't in the Order of the Phoenix, doing the thing that she believes she can do to help and ends up having to pay this awful, awful price for it, for mm. trying to use her voice in the correct way. And that does make her a hero, like. Yeah. So Voldemort kills her and then feeds her to Nagini. R.I.P. Charity. R.I.P. Charity. We loved you for the two, two lines that you spoke. <laughs> you said, Severus, please, Severus, help me. That's it. Do we have a question? No, because if I haven't organised the alcohols, I also haven't organised the questions. You vile, cantankerous wretch. That's a valid criticism to lay on me. I am a cow. I could ask you a question. Go on then. I don't know. I just don't want to end with the bye. <laughs> bye! No! What's your favourite coffee syrup flavour? You know this. Is it the pistachio one? Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. If you want to follow us around the internet, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok under Goblet of Wine Podcast. Or if you'd like to support us further, you can find us on Patreon, where you can get access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and loads more perks. Thank you so much to our Hufflepuff tier patrons for helping us produce these episodes. Yolanda, Sir Bandersnatch, Samuel, Michael, Kylie, Jasmine, Florian, and Ardent. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and as always, fuck JK Rowling and the Turfs. Bye! Bye.